Hallelujah. And that type of fear is a fear that causes the bones to shake. But the fear of the Lord is something very different. And we have said how the fear of the Lord is not your fear of Him. It's not how you are afraid of the Lord. When the fear of the Lord comes upon you, you will be struck with awe. Awe is not a, an emotion of being terrified. But awe is an emotion that pulls you into the fear and the character of the Lord. And so we have looked at the word yara, which is the root word for Torah and Ruah. You can hear it sounds the same. And so the word Torah speaks about the teaching of the Lord. We spoke of this, the, the construct of Torah Yahweh, the law of the Lord. And how there are many constructs, especially in, in the book of Genesis, that speaks about the voice of the Lord, the mountain of the Lord, the eye of the Lord, the angel of the Lord. And all of these are different words that forms one idea or one concept or one construct. It is the same with the fear of the Lord. It's something that is the Lord's. And the definition for fear for the, for the word yara, the concrete definition is the flowing of the gut, the flowing of the belly. What is it that flows out of the belly of God? What is it that flows out of the gut of God? It's Torah Yahweh and Ruach Yahweh. The wind, the spirit, the breath of God comes out of the, the gut or the belly of God. The teachings of the Lord and it comes out of his mouth. Whenever God speaks, God releases his teachings. God releases his character. And so the teaching and the character of the Lord is one. You cannot quote the word, but there's no spirit attached to the word. You cannot just have spiritual activities, but then there's no word attached to it. For instance, we cannot sing the whole day when there's no word in that songs. We cannot just pray in tongues the whole day if there is no word in your prayers. The Apostle Paul said that I will pray with the spirit but I will pray also in the understanding. One of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is the, the gift of tongues. This gift is not the tongues that you use when you pray in tongues. But it is a gift where God anoints especially evangelists. If they go in different countries and when they get there, that gift will allow them to speak the vernacular of the people. Even if they have never learned French, they will be able to speak French with the French-speaking people. It's the gift of tongues. It's the gift that came upon the 120 that waited in the upper room. When the Spirit of God came upon them and filled them, the Bible says that they spoke in all the tongues of the people that were represented there. And the people could understand them. Amen. When you pray in tongues, when you pray in the spirit, that is not necessarily the gift of tongues. So there's a separation between the two. 
But the idea of the fear of the Lord is that there is the Spirit of the Lord and there is the speaking of God. The speaking of the Lord and the Spirit of God goes together. Amen, saints of God. If it does not go together, you will see all kinds of terrible things happening in the church. All kinds of foul things, wicked things in the name of the Spirit. People are addicted to miracles. People are addicted to things happening quickly because they cannot endure. They cannot endure suffering. They cannot endure their process. There's a process for everyone today. And if you don't have fortitude, if you don't have the grit, the guts, if you don't have the thing to go through your process, then the process itself will break you down. Not the devil, not the world, the process. And so we need to ask God to give us the strength, the fortitude, the endurance to go through our times of suffering, our times of pain, our times of lack, our times of scarcity, our times of leanness, our, our valley. You have to know that when you are in the valley, that God is there with you in the valley. And it's no time to complain. And it's no time to, to fret and to murmur and to be anxious. But in that time, you have to have a perpendicular position with the Lord. It means that you must agree with what heaven is doing. Amen. You know, saints, we can pray all kinds of prayers. But if we don't pray the prayers of heaven, that, that's where the scripture comes in. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. And so the scripture, I believe, must be written, whatever you bind on earth would have been what has been bound by heaven. What you loose on earth would be the things that has been loosed released or authorized by heaven. So it must give you a hearing ear so that you will hear what heaven is saying and what heaven is releasing. Amen? Well, we can pray our own prayers. We can pray the prayers that we need for the day and there's nothing wrong with that. And we must pray those kinds of prayers. But we must also pray the prayers of heaven. And these prayers must be mixed with the word. There must be spirit attached to the word. In church circles, there is nothing more dull and dreary and frustrating than someone that sings a song with no spirit attached to it. We call it anointing. There's no anointing attached to it. There's nothing more dull than someone preaching with no spirit attached to the word that he brings. There's no anointing in his preaching. He's got all the intelligence, all the wonderful words, all the great verbiage, but it does not move us. It does not move you. It does not challenge your heart. It does not provoke and prick you to the heart. Hallelujah. When it comes to God's things, there must be this power in our ministry. When we minister to someone, when we pray, when we sing a song, whatever we do in the name of the Lord, there must be Yara attached to it. 
Yara is the fear of the Lord. And in the fear of the Lord is the teaching of the Lord. The Torah and the Ruach. We've used this picture of the sower that went to sow the seed. Because Torah means a swinging motion. A throwing motion. In a, in a sense there's a rhythm attached to it. So he throws the seed in the wind. And the, and the wind also comes with that flowing motion. This is the word. The flowing motion. And so when the two connect, there's a flowing motion in the throwing of the seed. And there's a flowing motion of the wind. It means that nothing is forced. You don't force an issue when it comes to the things of the Lord. You go with the flow of the Spirit. That's how the Spirit of God is, saints. The Spirit of God is not a, a bombastic Spirit. But it is a flowing Spirit. And so when the sea touches the wind, the wind, which is the Ruach, the Spirit, decides where the seed will fall. And when the seed will fall. And when the seed will be germinated. Isn't it profound that the the scripture says that the word of God is like rain. As the snow comes down and the rain from heaven, it makes the earth to bring forth. So there are things that has been deposited in your heart. Things that has been deposited in your soul, in your life. By the word of God, by prophetic words. And these things need to be watered by the word of God. It's like God himself, the sower, came and sowed the seed over you. And the wind, the spirit of God came and pushed that seed in areas of your life. What must you do now? You must now water the seed with the word. I declare the word. I proclaim the word. I pray the word. Whether I'm down, whether I'm up, whether I'm sick, whether I'm healthy. The word of God attached by my spirit will bring that life. Amen? Before God started anything, God started with the fear of the Lord. When, before God created the heavens and the earth, the fear of the Lord was there. The fear of the Lord is not something that we are afraid of, but it is something that puts us in wonder. Something that puts us in awe of the Lord. And I want to believe that we are coming into that season where we will stand amazed. Where we will stand in wonder at the works of the Lord. At the doings of the Lord. How God will just come out of the sudden. Out of the blue. Where God will come suddenly. When all things stand against you. When the evidence stands, it's all stacked up against you. All things around you, it, it shows that there's no hope for me than God. Suddenly, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the Spirit of God will come into your life and break hard things. The Spirit of God will all of a sudden, out of the blue, instantly, supernaturally, quickly, swiftly, the Spirit of God will come. And change things that must be changed in our lives. Amen. We see the flowing of the gut of God. We see the flowing of the belly. Right in the beginning of the scriptures. Where the character of God is being released. 
where the character of God flows from him, where the word of God flows from him. Look at uh, Genesis 1 verse 2, the B part. And the spirit of God hovered over the face of the water. Right there is a picture of the fear of the Lord. Another translation says, it fluttered over the deep waters. The writer of the book of Genesis, I told you last week that they worked through pictures and feelings and emotions. And so the only way to, to explain how the spirit of the Lord hovers or flutters is to use the picture of the bird that flutters, that hovers. And I think if Moses knew it then, he would have used this word. It is the word vibration. The word vibration. And so this morning you will hear some words that your ears are not used to in a sermon. But it is there to open up certain portals and to open up certain dimensions in your life so your spirit can access it. But in all your getting you must get understanding. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. So here we see right in the beginning there's an issue, a flow from the Lord. And Revelation speaks about it, how there is a pure river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, that proceeds from the throne of God. There's a constant flow, there's a constant river from the throne of God and the Lamb that comes out of the Lord. And so in the beginning, there is that picture. There's the flow of the deep waters and there's also the hovering, the brooding of the Spirit over the waters. That waters, that waters is not the waters of the sea. It's not the deep oceans because God has not created the oceans yet. He only starts creating after he says, let there be light. In fact, the first three days of creation is not 24 hours because the sun and the moon was not created yet. But we see how the scripture says it was morning and evening the first day. Morning and evening the second day. It does not speak about a 24-hour day, but it speaks about a creation period. That period could have been thousands of years. Could have been millions of years. That is why when you try to uh, put some dating to certain things, you'll hear some people say the bones are billions, four billion years old. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just that they have come so close to the fingerprints of eternity that they call it billions of years old. And so the earth has, has been in existence for more than 6,000 years. There's deep-rooted eternal features in the earth. But before the earth was created, the, the fear of the Lord issued, flowed from the throne of the Lord. The deep waters speaks about the word of God, who is the son of God. In the beginning, John 1, was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And so the word is God, and he was God. But the word alone 
could not create things. And this is the message that I want to bring to you. The Spirit of God had to light upon the Word. The Spirit of God had to connect to the Word. There had to be an interface. There had to be an amalgamation, a fusing of the Spirit of God and the Word of God for the creation process to now have all the, the, the facets of Spirit and Word attached to it. Amen? And so that is why the Bible says, And the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. The word hovered can be a synonym for the word vibrate. To vibrate means to move between alternatives or between two extremes. It speaks about a to and fro movement. So there is the extreme of going up and there is the extreme of going down. That's the vibration and it creates a frequency. The word hovered can also be used for the word pulsating. Means to expand and contract. Expand and contract rhythmically. Your heart is pulsating all the time. There's an expansion. It goes to the furthest extreme and it goes to the closest extreme. Another word is the word reverberations. And it is the word echo. I want you to remember that word echo. I'm, I'm speaking these words into your heart today. So that there might be a start of reverberations, of echoings. And I'll bring it to the scriptures in a moment. An echo means to be reflected many times. To be deflected many times. It is like a flame in a reverberatory furnace. It means to rebound and to recoil. It's when you throw the tennis ball against the wall. It rebounds all the time. It goes to the furthest extreme and then it comes back. The face of the water, the Spirit of God did these things over the face of the water. Why the face of the water and not just the, the water? Because the Word was going to be made visible in creation. The word is not just visible in a man. The word will become visible in the sun, the moon, the oceans, the, the trees, the birds. The word will become visible in everything. That is why the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. His fingerprints is upon everything that you see. His fingerprints is upon the oxygen that you breathe. You can speak to the oxygen. You can speak to the earth. And the earth will hear the voice of the Lord and respond. Because it's compatible with the word of God. It's compatible with that sound. So there was a, a deep roaring sound. There was a deep vibration over the word. Over the deep waters. Before God said, let there be light. And when God said, let there be light, it was like a great cosmic explosion. And everything stood on attention because God spoke. Hallelujah. Now I want you to see this picture about the Spirit of God over the waters. And this picture of Jesus being baptized in the Jordan River. And so, previously John said, behold the Lamb. Of God that will take away the sin of the world. 
the lamb then comes to John to be baptized. Because John is a literal representation of the law. Jesus does not want to break any law. Because a lamb must be washed to be sacrificed. A lamb cannot just go to the, to the slaughter. He must be washed. He must be inspected by the Levitical priest. And so this one, John, he inspected him and said, Behold, the lamb, the lamb is clean. This lamb can be sacrificed for the sins of the world. And so, sometime later, Jesus came to the Jordan again. And it's time for him to be baptized because previously he has been inspected. Now it's time to be washed. And John says to him, I cannot baptize you because John recognizes that there is a sinless lamb. John's baptism was to remedy the sin of people, is to wash them from their sins. But John says to Jesus, I cannot wash you, you are sinless. He says, I need to be washed by you. Listen what he says. Let us do this so that we might fulfill all righteousness. Everything that is right must be done in this baptism. He says, you're not going to baptize me because I have sin to confess. Like all the other people. I have no sin to confess. But you are doing this so that righteousness might be fulfilled. This is what happens. John puts his hand upon Jesus' head because that's the practice of the priest. They put their hand on the lamb so that the sin might be transferred. Already the sins of the world comes upon him. He becomes the bearer, the custodian of all of those evil things and he's going to deal with it later on the cross. John puts him down under the water. He goes down as the son of Mary and Joseph. But the Bible says as he comes up, the heavens open up. Heavens see that this is not the son of Mary and Joseph. The heavens open up and they all stand at attention. Everything that is created by God, angels, fallen spirits, they stand at attention because now out of the water, he comes up as the son of God. And immediately the spirit of God recognizes this is the one. And the spirit of God comes descending, hovering, vibrating, pulsating upon the son of God. And he comes lighting upon him. It means the spirit of God comes to find his rest upon the word of God. The word made flesh. Because now the word will go forth creating and recreating and restructuring and realigning things that he, has been that he has created that has gone off course. The spirit of God and the word of God now in motion, in movement. He will now just say, be delivered, be free. Be healed from your leprosy. He will now come and rearrange things in proper perspectives and order. The same picture of the beginning now becomes visible to the natural eye. The spirit of God hovered, descended like a dove. The reason why they use like a dove because they did not have this 
scientific and language of physics to, to describe to us how the Spirit of God comes. But I, I want you to see how Jesus did not start his ministry, although he was the Word of God, he did not start his ministry without the Spirit of God. In fact, the Bible says the Spirit compelled him to go into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. It wasn't to prove him. He didn't need to be proved. He didn't go, need to go through the test. It was to test the devil. It was to show the devil that you can do nothing to me. I know who I am. I'm in the wilderness. I'm fasting. You can, here I am. Throw your best shot. There's nothing you can do to harm me. And so the wilderness, the fasting of Jesus was not to make him powerful. Jesus became powerful when the Spirit of God descended upon him. Today people fast to become powerful. People fast to get the power of God. But Jesus went into the wilderness to mourn for the people that sat in darkness. Because now they will see a great light. When he comes out of there, they will see a great light and be drawn to that light. Hallelujah. The Spirit of God descended like a dove. The hummingbird is one of the smallest birds. In fact, it only weighs 0.2 grams. But the flapping of the wings of the hummingbird is so fast that it creates a frequency that can be heard audibly by the human being. You can hear a frequency when the hummingbird flaps its wings. A hummingbird can flap its wings to 12 beats per second. And so instead of saying he flaps his wings, because there's a frequency created there, you must say he vibrates his wings. The hummingbird hovers in mid-air as though he's not flapping his wings. You don't know if he's flying or if he's standing still. This is how the Spirit of God comes to you and comes to us. You don't know if he's moving or if he's standing still. Because the movement of God's Spirit is so, is so powerful and it's so fast. That's why you hear these words in the scriptures about suddenly and quickly and swiftly. You don't know how it, how it happened. When the Lord comes and opens the sky, there will be in a twinkling of an eye. There will be a vibrating. There will be a frequency that connects to you. And in a moment, you'll be translated. That's why they use the, the picture of a bird. Jesus said, How I long to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks. I want to bring you under my wings. I want to bring you into the spirit. I want to bring you under the, the brooding, the hovering. I want to bring you under the fluttering of things. I want to bring you into my spirit, but you would not. You had the law, but you, you made the law an idol. You, you, you held on to the law and forgot that there is spirit that need, was needed to make the law alive. Without the spirit, the law was dead. Hallelujah. So why a frequency? 
Why is this picture connected to frequency? The hovering. The Spirit of God hovers over us. It's like when we worship and praise and when we pray, when you are alone, when we are in a corporate setting, there is the hovering of the Spirit. Comes to brood over you. There is an opportunity for you to connect to power. There's an opportunity for you to go to a higher dimension. For the heavens to open up over you. And for the voice of the Lord to exclaim, this is my son. This is my daughter. In them I am well pleased. A frequency is a repeating event per unit of time. That's, that's, that's the frequency of that heart monitor. A repeating event in a certain unit of time. It speaks about to us, when you hear the line and the precept of the word over and over, it becomes a frequency. Means there's life there. When you hear that thing over and over, whether by different people, or whether by the pastor you hear it, you've heard this thing for a year now. It means there is life where you are. It means that there's a frequency, there's not a flat line. What frequencies does is it affects cycles. It affects processes. And it means that when there is a frequency, when there is life, that you must respond to it. It's like a sound that is being emitted. It's like a light that is being emitted. And if you don't look at the light, and if you don't come to the light, it means that you, you are not responding to the frequency. Now, I want to go into our scripture. Acts 2 verse 1 to 4. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. I like that. One accord. If there's one accord amongst the saints, one accord in your home, in your family, no devil in hell. No devil in hell can come and wreak havoc there. If you are all in one accord, the people that build the Tower of Babel were all in one accord. And the Spirit of God had to come and confuse their language. It's not that they would have built a tower that could have reached the heavens. Because the dimensionality of the two are different. You cannot erect a physical thing that can go into the heavens of God. No, God knew that they would lose their lives. The higher they would go, they would lose their lives. And so God used their one accord to scatter them so that with that same oneness, they would go into different areas. And that's how the nation started. Amen? We need one accord amongst us. We need unity amongst us. Hallelujah. They were in one place. The one place speaks about the upper room, but it also speaks about how you are in the one place called Christ. Amen? Listen to this. And suddenly, there's the word. There came a sound. That word sound there is the word echo. It is the same word used for hovering. An echo is when you speak into the void. That sound bounces back. It's like someone mimicking you. When you say hello, hello, hello. 
Is it me? You? <laughs> That's what an echo is. An echo is a bouncing back, a rebounding, a recoiling. It, it's, it's got two extremes, the furthest and the, the closest. Then suddenly there came a sound, an echo. And this sound here, the description of is like the roar of the sea, the roar of the waves of the sea. The sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. You see the interface between the two. The wind, the spirit, and the roar of the, the waters, the deep waters, the ocean, the fear of the Lord. They were sitting in that upper room and suddenly the fear of the Lord. Have you ever experienced that? When I was young, I experienced it. A young believer, I experienced it a lot. I would walk into a house and the fear of God will come literally upon me. There will be a manifestation of the fear of the Lord. Awe, bewilderment. I would stand in awe. Man, there was one day, and as a young man, I, I, I never cried easily. I stepped into the house uh, of someone, and the person was in the room. And as I opened the door, Oh, I, I felt such a presence. I knew this was the Lord. As I stood there, there was nothing. It was dead quiet. Then the Spirit of God came over me. And it was like a faucet. A tap that was opened. And I just started to weep uncontrollably. That is when the fear of the Lord comes upon a person. That's when the fear of the Lord comes upon you, upon me. You, you... You access a place of awe, a place of, of wonderment. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. So there is the sound of the waves of the sea and there is the mighty wind. It's the connection between the two. There is the Torah, the teaching, and there is the Ruah. It equals to Yara, the fear of the Lord. And the Bible says, and it filled the, all the house where they were sitting. And so we see that just like you are seated here today, these people were relaxed. It means there was no performance. When God comes, he will come. We cannot make him come. He's not a genie. We can't just rub the bottle the right way and pow. What do you want me to do? No, that's not how God operates. When he, there'll, there'll be times of, to us it seems like quietness. There'll be times where there's no, not that touch, there's not that sensation anymore. But it does not mean that he is not there. God is there by faith when we believe that he is there. Amen? Revelation 1 verse 15 says, and, and I'm still here in the scripture of Acts chapter 2. 1 verse 15 says, his, his voice was like the sound of many, many waters. John describes Jesus as he, see him, as he sees him in his glory. He says his hair is as white as wool. His eyes are like fire. Out of his mouth proceeds a two-edged sword. It's like he's in a dream world. He says his countenance is like that of the sun in its brilliance. And out of his mouth uh, is the sound of many waters. It's like a great waterfall. 
the fear of the Lord coming out of him. When you hear him, it's like a, the sound of many waters. The sound that comes from this side and that side, above, beneath, and it all forms one sound. It's a continuous roar, like the Niagara Falls, the Iguazu Falls in Brazil. When you stand and behold it, it takes your breath away. Because you see something that is not generated by man. Something that is alive. And it comes with a great sound. That's the voice of the Lord. Psalm 62 verse 11 says, God has spoken once. Twice have I heard this. That power belongs to God. Why twice? Because there is a frequency. There is a reverberation. There's a pulsation of the word of God. It comes to connect to that frequencies in your spirit. And you must respond to it. Saints, don't let the word of God come and hit like a, a brick wall. Because the hearts of stone he will break. Verse 3 says of Acts chapter 2. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues. Like as of fire. And it set upon each of them. The word cloven means to be divided into opposing parts. Opposing means the furthest part and the closest part. The start and the end. It's opposing. Not different, opposing parts. Means to also to be set at variance. Or to be in dissension. It's the same meaning of what the word vibration means. I'm just repeating to you, vibration speaks about a to and fro. It speaks about a move between two alternatives, two extremes. And so what set upon them was the vibration of the spirit. Amen? What this does, it just disturbs the status quo. Things that are ordinary, mediocre. Things that are average. When there is the spirit of God. When you hear vibration. You hear spirit of God. Amen. When the spirit of God is there. It comes to upset the norm. It comes to disturb the status quo. It's like the vibrations of an earthquake. It changes things quickly. Very suddenly. And so these are the people that must arise in this day. The people that does not go with the status quo. The people that are not, when everyone is running away, we are standing firm. When everyone is fearful, we remain a people of faith. Verse 4 says, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I spoke about that earlier. The tongues that they spoke were actual languages. So it was a, a great miracle to the people that were there. Some thought that they were drunk. I don't know if drunk people speak French. They never could speak French and suddenly, uh, merci beaucoup. But they thought that they were drunk. Then Peter stood up and Peter started to preach a powerful sermon. And at verse 38, he said, then Peter said to them, these people that were mocking them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, 
for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. That is why apostles' doctrine must be first. The word. And then it ends. And everything in between. And then it ends with prayers. Means that we must be a people of prayer. If we want that connection, if we want that nexus between our lives and the Spirit of God, if we want to change things around us, there must be prayer. Now that everybody is in social distancing, it's important for you to now fast and pray. Remember the disciples came to Jesus. They tried to cast out a demon but couldn't. But when they brought the man to Jesus, Jesus just said, go. But they had a, an hour prayer meeting on the man, and the man wasn't delivered. It is because Jesus spent much time in prayer from the early hours in the morning, 3 a.m., until the sun comes up every day. Every day Jesus would access this secret place. So when he came out of that secret place, the Lord would just command and everything would listen and everything would obey and everything would submit to the speaking of the Lord. So while we have all this time to ourselves, it is a time for you to go into your secret closet. It's a time for you to really seek God, to meditate deep and hard upon the things of God. To search the Lord in the scriptures and to pray with that reverberating tongue and to pray in the spirit and to cut off, put off the TV, cut off all distractions in your life and really begin to search God like you have never searched him before, saints of God. Verse 43 says, after they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers, 43 says, and fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. This fear is the same fear that came upon the disciples in their boat of distress when the storms of life beat against their boat. It's the same fear, it's the word phobos found in Mark 4 as well. And it speaks about reverence, respect, respect for authority. Respect for rank. Respect for dignity. It's the same respect that a woman has for her husband. Without the husband asking to be respected. But it's just naturally there. Whether the husband works or not. But the woman gives that respect to the husband. That's the fear of God. That must come back to the house of God. That must come back to your home. That must come back to your life. Where children that are young will have this respect and awe to the elderly. That they will help the elderly to go across the road. That's this awe and respect that people must have for those in ministry. That people must have, children must have for their parents. The fear of the Lord. Hallelujah. When the fear of the Lord is amongst these people... Bible says there will be many wonders. There will be many signs. People will say, but he just came into the church the other day. Look what God is doing with him. See the hand of the Lord upon her. 
See how God is using her. See how God is using him. Hear how they speak. They are so young, but they speak like matured people. They are so young, but when they speak, I have to hear. That's when the fear of God is there. That's when there's spirit and when there's word. When God comes and his character is being released amongst these people. His teachings becomes an addiction for us. We are addicted to hear the word of God. We will knock on the door and say, Pastor, you have not spoken the word to us. I need the word. It's my lifeblood. It's my nutrition. It's my source of strength. I want to hear the word of God. That's when the fear of the Lord comes upon a people. Isaiah 11 verse 2 speaks about the characteristics of the spirit of God. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Speaks about how when the spirit of God came upon Jesus. This is what it was. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Number one. The spirit of wisdom. The spirit of understanding. The spirit of counsel. The spirit of might. The spirit of knowledge. And the spirit of the fear of the Lord. The sevenfold characteristics of the spirit of God. The Spirit of, of the Lord speaks about rulership, speaks about how He is the King and how you are the King, how the Spirit of God comes upon you. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me. That's the word, to preach the good news to the poor, to heal the sick, to bring recovery of sight to the blind, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The Spirit of God is upon me. And so you have to know that the Spirit of God is upon you to bring the acceptable year of the Lord. It means, saints, that you must be counted in this time. It means that that anointing that, has, that God has placed upon you must now become visible, must now become evident. Not just the heavens must open up, but the earth must hear you. The earth must know about you. You cannot just be that little Christian girl, that sweet Christian girl, but know you, your voice must reverberate into the heavenly realms. Hallelujah. People of God can no longer be silent believers. Can no longer be a believer just to go to heaven. We can no longer be a believer just to get our needs met. We can no longer be a believer just to get the protection of the Lord. But we are the ones that proclaim in the wilderness, make straight in the desert the way of the Lord. In places where there is no hope. In places where it looks like nothing will grow. In places and families where it looks like only a miracle can save them. Yes, when you bring the voice of the Lord there. When you bring that echo, that sound of God in that place. Who knows what God will do? Who knows the wonderment, the bewilderment, the awe and reverence that will come because you have released a sound. Hallelujah. Sound is so powerful. And, and every one of us has a unique sound. Sometimes when, when you pray, you don't even have words to pray. But there's a sound that comes out of your mouth. The sound that Eli heard, Hannah prayed was, he didn't interpret it well the first time. But she made a sound in a desperation. She murmured, there was a, a type of a murmuring. But the Lord told Eli that this woman has a deep need and a deep want. 
And so I pray that God will stir that up on the inside of us. May there be a stirring on us for the Lord. May we self-isolate ourselves from the things of the world to be with the Lord. You might never get this time again, saints. Because our lives are so busy. Our lives are just up and down. We vibrate with the world, but we don't vibrate with the heavens. We need to seek the Lord at this time. Amen. Set a day aside where you can just fast and pray. And your fasting and praying must be how you humble yourself before the Lord. Don't pray to perform signs and wonders. Don't pray to see angels. Don't pray to become powerful. I'm talking about fasting and prayer. It's not what it's about. It's where you come and you lament before the Lord. And you look at how you have missed the Lord in certain things. How you have not done what the Lord required of you to do. How you have not responded to the frequency that wants to come and change the cycles and processes in your life. Put a day aside and seek the Lord earnestly. Confess your sins to the Lord. Confess your weaknesses. Confess your rebellion, your disobedience unto the Lord. And just give yourself wholly unto the Lord. I'm not saying pray six hours, pray 12 hours. But set some time apart where you can confess. Even if you have to write it down on a piece of paper. All the things where you are failing the Lord. Write it down and when you come, it's like you have prepared to say this to the Lord. The Lord will honor that. The Lord will have respect to how you respect and revere Him. And spend that time, that 30 minutes, that hour just confessing, Father, I pray for my children. I, this is who I am. I have not done enough. But I know with your strength, with your help, you can bring me through. And spend the day in meditation. Spend the day in reading the word out aloud. Stand there in front of the mirror and read chapters upon chapters. Read the word out so your ears can hear it. So your spirit can connect again to the voice, your voice. Amen. Not like someone said, sing with your own voice. Like you have sung with someone's, someone else's voice all the time. No, it's, it's good so that your spirit can hear your voice. Not just pastor's voice or whoever's voice you are listening to on uh, YouTube. Your voice. Amen. Hallelujah. Come let us all stand this morning. I've come to the end of the meeting. There will be a flowing from the gut. That's how the fear of the Lord comes. Someone must speak. And you cannot just speak if you don't stand in the character of the Lord. Not anyone that speaks bring the fear of the Lord. Even if they speak the right things. And so when our hearts connect with God. And our hearts are humbled before Him. And bow down before the Lord. Then I know that God will begin to infect. That God will begin to affect things around us. Before we start anything just like God says. Before we attempt anything, before we change where we live, before we buy a new car, before we move to a different house, before we do anything great, let us start with God. Let's put time aside before we move and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want us to do? Don't just go 
doing things because you know how to do it. Means you are doing it out of your own strength. But when we put God first, when we put the Spirit of the Lord and the Word of God, and there's a flowing that comes out of our belly, then we will quickly step into the perfect will of God. Jesus said, and he was preaching, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me, and I will give him living waters. I will cause that out of his belly will flow rivers of living waters. Hallelujah. We must bring the living waters in our families. We must bring the living waters in our schools, the living waters in our communities, in our neighborhoods. We must speak the living word. While everyone speaks about fear and toilet roll, we must bring the living waters. Hallelujah. Our speech must be different, saints. I'm saying to you again, our speech must be different. Don't make jokes about virus and all kinds of things, but speak about the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we bless you today. We thank you, Lord, that the fear of the Lord is our portion. Let there be a flowing of our belly. Cause that out of our bellies will flow rivers of living waters. A river of life as clear as crystal. Let it proceed from our hearts, from our spirits. Darkness has covered the earth and gross darkness the people. But you have declared, Father, that people will be drawn to our light. Kings will come to our brightness. And I pray today that the light of God will now shine upon his people. Not only will it shine upon them, but it will, they will emit the light. They will transfer the light. We thank you, Lord, that this light is a pure light. That this light is a light that exposes every darkness. So we bless you. That in this day and in this season, that we are strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. We thank you, Lord, for the hovering of the Spirit. The fluttering of the wings of the Spirit. We thank you, O God, for the vibrations of the Spirit. We don't know if He's going or if He's coming. But we know that He is with us. And so we thank you, Lord, that there's a lot of things that will be rebounding in our lives. A lot of frequencies. I declare this morning that opportunities that were lost will rebound. Opportunities that passed us by while we were asleep, it will recoil. It will echo back things that were lost to our hearing, things that were lost in our lives. This is the word this morning that, Lord, I declare that a season will now comes of the rebound, of the coming back. Of the standing up again. Although they have fallen, they'll come back up again. I pray that hope will be renewed again in their lives, Father. Because there's an echo. Because there's a sound. There's a sound of the voice of the Lord. There's a sound of many waters. It's a sound that is like a great waterfall. And it brings back those things that has not reflected back. In the name of Jesus we pray. Let the flame of God, let cloven tongues of fire be our portion. So that when we speak, when we declare, when we proclaim, when we pray, that there will be an anointing upon us, O God. We bless you, Father, for the things that is about to become visible. The face of the waters, the face of the word, 
We thank you for the manifestation of the word in the lives of your people. Like that hummingbird, we thank you, Lord, that, you, that there's, we hear audible frequencies. We hear the sound of the Lord. And that sound comes to fill the house. Let that sound fill kingdom nexus. Let that sound fill every home, every family. It's a sound of power. It's a sound of newness. It's a sound of freshness. It's a sound of revival. It is our portion today. And we thank you for it. I want to pray over your people as they stand before you. Lord, we thank you that you know every need, every desire. Your word declares that if we delight ourselves in you, you will give us the desires of our hearts. We pray, Lord, for the quick work of God, the suddenness, the swiftness of the Spirit, so that things that took long will now come speedily, will come swiftly, Father, in this day and in this hour. We bless your people with good health. We bless your people, O oh God, with strength, with prosperity and increase. In Jesus' mighty name. And the people of God say, Amen.